are listening to the Moody Girl Podcast with me, Emily Fazer. Throughout this series, we're going to be opening the minds of experts and delving into the world of alternative healing methods. Before we start the episode today, I wanted to ask all of you listeners a question. Did you know that a lot of people are living with lower than recommended magnesium levels? I didn't know this either and had never explored incorporating magnesium into my daily life until I started having skin issues. I now use Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray when I get out of the shower in the morning and spray onto my feet before I go to bed. I found that when I had psoriasis and hormonal breakouts on my face or body, I would spray it on and at first it really stung. But this was a sign from my body that my cellular magnesium levels were low. The more I got the magnesium into my system daily, the less it stung. It made sense. If you're feeling like you could benefit from having magnesium in your life, I would strongly recommend looking into using Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray. Link to purchase is in the bio. Now, let's get to the episode. I've personally had so many different health struggles in my life. Doctor-prescribed medicines have often left me feeling worse and as though they are masking the problem rather than actually addressing the root cause. And this has led me to think outside of the box and find holistic ways to feel better in myself. I'm not professing to be some kind of health guru and I'm definitely not a doctor. Just someone who's trying to explore new ways to feel better and make the most out of life. This week, I was lucky enough to speak with Niz Arend, a mindset coach originally from South Africa, but now living in the UK. When Niz and I met, there was an instant connection and I could tell that we really understood each other. The more we spoke, the more I found out exactly what it is that Niz does and I was extremely interested to get involved. Niz does a lot of deep mindset work, challenging the limiting belief systems that have been ingrained into our subconscious mind. I was invited to attend one of her retreats and I thought, hey, what's there to lose? We'll go more into my experiences with Niz on this episode but I was confronted with what I actually thought about myself and I can tell you, it wasn't all good and it wasn't the easiest to hear. Anyway, here it is. Enjoy. Okay, so hi Niz, how are you? Well, 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 I am, thank you for asking, how are you? Yeah, no, I'm really, really good and so, so happy to have you on the Moody Girl podcast today. I am so excited to be on this podcast of yours because when you first mentioned it passing I was like hold up hold up Emily um can you just rewind and repeat that can you say that again but just not in passing and when you shared about it I honestly I got goosebumps so I kind of want to give the the listeners a bit of a backstory so we kind of met and instantly hit it off. Um, we have a lot of similar interests. I found what you do fascinating. And the first time we met, you kind of scratched the surface with it. And then we met again and it was like delving further into it. Um, and yeah, I just found it really kind of interesting. And then you reached out um, and invited me to come on your course, which has been kind of a huge game changer for me in terms of my mindset, in terms of how I'm kind of living day-to-day life. Um, I mean, we, we just discussed before we started recording about the ebbs and flows, you know, it's not always going to be a straight line. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I wanted to start with you kind of talking about what a mindset coach is. So how, how, how would you describe the work you do? And I know it's quite hard to describe, but in, in the best kind of words that you can so that people can understand the amazing work that you're doing. Sure. And that's a great question to start off with. (laughs) So (laughs) mindset work or being a mindset coach, the work that I do is all around unlocking your top 1% potential. Now, what do I mean by that? In general, it's very clear that people are living lives much less than they deserve, much less that they are capable of, and swimming in the sea of sameness. Mm-hmm. And that's such a shame because whenever I meet people, I can already see, I see the dullness in their eyes. I see the numbness. Uh, I sense the boredom in their soul. And you could tell that they're not living 
whether it's in their career or sometimes you find people living in their career, they're doing a brilliant job and they're putting all their energy and efforts and they're getting a great return. They're getting promoted. They paying being paid well, they feel appreciated, and, but then they stay at work because at home, their personal world is a hot mess or vice versa. And so, um, so the whole point about mindset is around, it really is between your two ears Mm-hmm. Whatever you want is on that other side of your comfort zone. Whatever you want is out there for you. And it is possible, but people feel isolated. People feel alone and going to family to sort of share some of the things that you want or you want out of your life, family, loved ones, they want to keep you safe. So being safe is not getting outside your comfort zone. They love you. They treasure you. And with all the good hearted meaning in the world, um, inevitably they're not necessarily the right people to help and some people are just not on that level or the level above that you need in order to make that leap or take that one step and that step after and that encouragement that support so the mindset is all around it's about making that decision but how do you get to make that when you're stuck or in a rut or whatever so it is about living your best life because let's face it life is incredibly short. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that stuck out after I did the course with you was about kind of limiting um, belief systems. And that's something that I've really kind of taken from that. And I mean, like, I personally feel your approach is amazing. It's no bullshit. You kind of called me out there in the room and we're just like, um, you've answered that question wrong. (laughs) That's a belief system that you've kind of got in there. Um, And I needed that at that point in time. You know, I think I think it was something like the phrase was you either truly believe in yourself or you don't. And I ticked that I did because actually on the surface, I felt like I did. But you kind of called that out and were like, I don't think you do, actually. And, you know, and then you kind of spoke through some of the things that, you know, earlier on we discussed. Um, and actually, it really kind of highlighted to me, why don't I believe myself? Actually, I'm telling myself that I believe in myself, but in my core, I don't. And where's that come from, you know? Um yes. So I found that just so profound and, you know, in terms of moving forward with my life. Um, and I think that's just such a fantastic approach. Um, I mean, in your kind of journey, where, how, how did you get into what you're doing now? You know, were you always interested in it or was there a crisis point in your life where you were like, actually, I need to make some changes? So great point. I want to first go back to one of the points when I uh, called you out and the no bollocks bullshit uh, <laughs> thermometer. Um, it's because I was deeply listening. And whenever anybody comes on any of my programs, any of my courses, my retreats, I am I have already prepared my mind before people come in the days before the morning, the night before there's certain things I do on purpose because I need to be in that room and everything is alive in me. I am noticing when you walk in what you're wearing, I'm noticing your heartbeat. I'm noticing so many things. So when I said, uh, when I called you out, it's because this is what we tend to do. We tend to say one thing, but we actually do something else. And it's nothing wrong with that. There's no incongruency there, but we've, we've distanced ourselves from ourselves. Mm. And so we've lost ourselves along the way. And it was some, it was things that people that come on the program, that come on the retreats that they saying one thing, maybe at nine o'clock and then at three o'clock, they're saying something completely different. And I go, hold on, hold on. Let's just go back. And it's normally something hating on themselves. Mm-hmm. It's normally them crucifying themselves. So in that moment that you shared um, about that, in that moment, I caught you being mean to yourself when actually you shared evidence, which you didn't see as evidence, but something you shared mm-hmm. earlier on in the day that completely contradicted that. So if we were in court, that would be a lie yeah and we lie to ourselves and I always say if you could the things that you say to yourself if that was all tattooed by an amazing tattooed artist on your body if I looked at your body or if you looked at your body in the mirror what would the tattoo say Mm. 
And most people, in fact, everybody, it wouldn't say very nice things. And not a wonder we don't have clarity, not yeah. a wonder we don't have the courage, not a wonder we don't have the confidence, because this is what our mind does to us. If we're a slave to our mind, it'll grip you. And part of the work that I do is helping people rise to grip their minds, get hold of them and go, listen to me, I'm taking over now. Mm. And when that thought comes, when that fear arises, you get hold of it, you grip it, you take it into a corner and you get it. And I don't stop until we get it out and we catch it, we catch it and we grip it, we corner it like in a boxing ring. You do not let it go mm. until it just calms down and it tries to come back and back and it will come back. It will come back. But no, if you keep doing the techniques and the strategies that I teach, it will not come back as strong as it did before. And eventually it will bugger off. And that's what, um, what is, uh, got to teach your mind how to treat you before you even think about teaching others how to treat you. Mm. I think it's just, it's so interesting really, because it's like, Throughout the whole of my life, I've kind of always focused on the exterior, really, in terms of like if I had a health condition or, you know, I'd never, or maybe I'd go to the doctor and, you know, take some pills for something, you know. But I've never really kind of, you think about all the work we do in the gym, you think about, you know, all, all the kind of work on makeup we buy for our face and do our, spend hours doing our hair, picking our outfit. But also, I kind of, that was the first time, you know, I've had a bit of therapy here and there. Um, but this was the first time where I, and you know, dead, dead like dedicated that day to just like a hundred percent working on my mindset, which all of a sudden, like I came away from it and I was like, I'm 32. I can't believe that, you know, that's the first time that I've like confronted, you know, the way that I've been living my life, the way that I'm kind of, I guess, living with my mindset, you know, and how it was kind of ruling everything um, and the synchronicity of it all. And yeah, and I just kind of came away and was like, I can't believe that's the first time, you know, and it's crazy that we go through our lives and some people may go from birth to death without even really taking a cold, hard look at where they are with their mindset. And, you know, what about these belief systems that we have, you know, ingrained in us and the language that we use, you know, to ourselves all the time. And, and that's another thing, as you say, like from, from you and, and from, you know, NLP with my therapist a bit, I've learned the language we use to ourselves is so, so important. And, you know, it was only after that, that I started, you know, it was almost like a siren going off in my head, like negative thought upcoming, you know, and then just trying to get that out. But it's, you know, it, no one's perfect and you're going to have these really dark thoughts sometimes. Um, and, and it's, I've, I feel like we've, well, what I've learned from you is you are, you are going to have those, but as you say, you just keep kind of learning to dull those sounds a little bit more um and that language and and yeah and I and I really do feel like the language you use we use for ourselves is you know so important when moving forward and and trying to to grow as a human being so interesting back to the mindset so yeah. uh, you're talking about medication so mm. in general my life I have, I just, I don't take medication. Mm -hmm. So the only time that I do take something is every now and again, when I have my period or I'm PMT, yeah. I will take something if it's yeah. really too much, but most of the time I use my mind and I'll give you an example of how I use my mind in my life. Um, I went to the dentist. Um, I'm very into gorgeous teeth. So that's important to me. So I went to the dentist and they had to do a filling. And I barely have anything like that. And so in the uh, chair, uh, I've got a lovely dentist and he went and got the injection needle thing and it was huge. And he put it behind his back, but he had a mirror behind his back, which I didn't think he realized was there. And I saw that injection needle and uh, it was to numb because they were going to do some drilling and things like that. And I looked at it, I thought, oh my goodness. So I said to him, um, just, just hold on a bit. Um, I just need to just a moment. And I went into my head underneath that bright light in that chair, in that 
uh, the whole dental thing with the smells and things like that. And I just needed to go into my mind and get the help that I needed in that moment, which was there was going to be a lot of drilling and you could hear it in your head and um, the injection and all that was going to be really uncomfortable. And I went into my head and I went into a zone of utopia, really. Mm. I don't know how long it took me to go in there, but I, I said to him, okay, I'm ready now. And he went there and um, it was just to numb the area and it was fine. I heard going in, felt it going in. And then he started the drilling work and I actually fell asleep with my mouth, just my teeth dropped on his drilling machine several times. And he had to wake me up and go, um, Liz, can you, can you stay awake for this? I, why, you know, and I wasn't sleeping. It's just the fact that I put myself in such a deep state yeah. that that's what I, that's, and, and, and he was just a bit shocked and he said, How, you know, because he could see, I, I didn't look tired because he knows me well. I said, oh, no, I just needed to get into my mind to get into that zone. Maybe I went a bit too much there. Mm. But, but that's how the power of your mind that even with the dentist, mm. uh, you can use that. And then, Emily, you asked me how I got into what I got into. Yeah. I was working in finance and I had nothing to do with coaching. What would happen is every year uh, the partners of the firm would put about five people forward um, to potentially be future leadership positions and so be partners in the future in the firm. So be up for direct positions. But they couldn't just decide. They'd have to pick amongst who do they think would be future leaders. And then they would send them to um, a countryside location where there were uh, psychologists and coaches and all sorts of people that would monitor them uh, over a week or two and then they would get partners from different parts of the firm to assess them and it, it, it ended up being assessed every day and then it culminated in at the end of the week uh, the person would need to present something and then they were assessed on the whole week and that and there was one person who who was put forward from our area and he never got through and he was in our top fee earners um, and another guy got through and this guy was charismatic, uh, but nobody really knew what the heck he did. The following year, the partners put the same guy forward again and he failed. And, uh, and then you're only allowed to put people forward three times. And after that, you basically go on a shelf. And when you're on that shelf, you don't ever get a promotion. You don't get an increase. You don't ever, you basically sit there and it's kind of like your cue to leave. The third year, partners got together and they had coaches all this time uh, for this person. And uh, the next thing, the partners got together and they said, what are we going to do? We've had coaches. We've tried to give him in-house training. We've, he's brilliant. He gets the money in. Clients love him. Don't know what the problem is. And the partners all decided, I know, why don't we get Niz to work with him? And I was sort of right-hand person to the partner. I had nothing to do with coaching. And they came to me and said, look, we decided you should work with this person. And I was like, what? No, no, no. I don't have any experience in that. And they're like, just give it a go. And by the way, if he doesn't pass this year, he can never, ever be put forward again. So, of course, no pressure. And I just thought, oh, MG. But then I thought, what have I got to lose? Mm -hmm. So, uh, long story short, I worked with him uh, I got him to present to me. I thought just common sense. I just had a guide, nothing to lose. And they put him forward long and short. He passed. Wow. And the partner wow. turned to me and said, we knew you could do it. And I turned to myself and said, I have no idea what just happened there. And uh, interesting. The point about this story is number one, people see things in you that you don't even see in yourself. Mm -hmm. The next thing is when people, there's a theme of things that people are telling you, like when your family and friends tell you stuff, we don't believe them, especially because it's nice stuff. And you think, oh, they're just saying that because they're family and friends. Um, I really didn't see that in myself. And uh, think about it. Think about what people say to you all the time. You're a great organizer. Oh, my goodness. You just know how to arrange things. Wow. You've got a great eye for detail. You've got a great eye for color. And you just think, oh, that's normal. Mm. No, that's actually high performance. That's excellent. And that is not normal. That's why people say it to you. It is not normal. It's a superpower. And we don't see it like that because we're used to it. That's just normal for us. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that everybody said, oh, my goodness, what did you do? 
And it wasn't until our partner retired and then I left the firm and I went and retrained and I spent over a hundred thousand in retraining myself, wow. brand new career. But always in my career, I always took my money from my my salary and I put that into when people were on holidays, uh, I'd either be in South Africa on holiday or I would be using my money to go invest in myself in this, whether mm. sitting with monks or whether it's in a forest or whether it's on a silent retreat or whether it's anything weird and wonderful that helps people, that was my thing. And this is really what it's about. It's about how can you lead yourself a whole lot better before you even think about leading others. What I realized after I retrained was that one thing I didn't do that the other coaches did and failed was that I didn't try and change the person. Mm. I saw the greatness in him and I brought it out and I showed him like you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't see. So um, the thing with this person was that he was too humble and it's such a wonderful trait, but being too humble, yeah, people feel you are weak uh, and they don't give it to you because you're too humble. If you're too grateful for your job, uh, it's human behavior to just make you think, oh, yeah, she's, she or he's too grateful, so we'll just keep them there. We'll, keep, we'll just feed them that little crumb just to keep them, you know, they were grateful already. It's human behavior to behave that way. On the one scale, you have humble on the one side and then you have arrogance on the other side. My whole role is to bring you to that middle part because knowing no matter how far I drive you to the other side, so away from humble, still being humble, but a healthier version of humble so that you don't sabotage yourself so much because being too much of anything is going to sabotage you. Knowing that people that I attract into our tribe, into our family, will never get near to arrogance. Never, no matter how they try. But people stay too humble because they're too scared to become arrogant because they know of arrogant people. So that is so repulsive. So they go even more humble mm. and then they sabotage themselves even more. And that's mm -hmm. such an important distinction. Totally. And I think when you say, so, I mean, with the kind of Moody Girl podcast, it's all about alternative method, methods of healing. And so I've kind of looked into a, a broad scape of, of different kind of methods. And, you know, obviously mindset is, you know, kind of the defining method almost is just kind of overarching everything else. So when you say people sabotage, you know, um, themselves, um, do you think that has, you know, an effect on you if they have developing chronic health conditions or um you know all the kind of different I know that I myself um developed psoriasis and I know that it was during like a particularly stressful trigger um and I know that stress has always been my trigger with a lot of kind of my ailments and illnesses throughout my life um so I mean in controlling that you know, I mean, for you as well, have you kind of found that you're able, I mean, in the dentist, you've given a great example of how that helped you to overcome that anxiety and just get to a place of complete calm. Um, but I mean, do you kind of see that as hand in hand, you know, managing your mindset will heal your, your body, basically? It all starts the mind, Emily, you're spot on, absolutely starts in the mind. Whenever you're feeling anxious, it basically boils down to this, which mm. is what are you telling yourself right now? It's as simple as that. Yeah. You, that's why I say it's about teaching you how to grip that fear. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Cytoplan, a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product. My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure. I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. One of my female clients, I noticed that when she came into meetings, she 
she kind of came in sideways, you know, as a style slightly sideways. And she came on my retreat. So the same retreat you came on. And I, uh, I sort of asked her a question about something. And I said, well, yeah, tell me about the sideways crab walk you're doing. And she said, oh, nobody's ever said that to me. I said, yeah, because it's about noticing the little things. And I noticed you do that. You walk in slightly sideways. What is up with that? And then she very vulnerably shared, it's a fact that she hates her nose. And she thinks that everybody can see that. And everybody can see her big fat nose on her face. And so she goes in sideways so that people, the rest of, the, of her colleagues don't stare at her nose. And when they look at her, she thinks they're staring at her nose. And what that led to was uh, eczema. It led to all sorts of skin conditions that she got. Wow. Uh, nervousness, anxiety deluxe, absolutely, so, and, and she, her confidence got scraped, her self-esteem got scraped, she felt so low, and yet she always looked stunning in the office when I used to come to their offices, she was always well-dressed, but inside she was dying, mm. and uh, if she hadn't come on my retreat, that would have never stopped. I can tell you now, she doesn't walk sideways ever since, but she's a woman in her fifties when I met her. So imagine her whole life, she's been on about her nose. And uh, the day that she came on that retreat was the day her nose suddenly became the way she wanted it. And she didn't have single plastic surgery. Good. It was in her mind. And I worked on that straight there and then in front of the group which made it even worse but you know what it's the best time because she felt safe to say it although she wouldn't have said it mm. and in a safe space in that group and it was so more powerful in that group because everyone that I, that comes on it is handpicked I have to know them I have to there has to be the right caliber of human and the caliber is about our values it's about having those morals and values. That's the sort of people that, you know, I attract in the world so, because how lovely for like-minded humans to hang out with each other and develop and ultimately become, learn to become CEOs of your own life. Because that's what it's about for me. Become the CEO of your life. And mindset is the absolute source of it all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. You can make yourself so sick, literally from not saying a word, literally just being in your head, mm. but you can also make yourself so much better, um, be healthy, vibrant, joyous, uh, bounce back from when life does hit you over the head with a brick. Cause life is not perfect. Life is a hot mess. Life is ebbs and flows. And if you don't experience the freezing cold, you can't experience, you can't appreciate uh, the warmth, vice versa. If you haven't experienced the hot, steamy, sweaty, sticky, uncomfortable, you can't appreciate that cool breeze. Mm, absolutely. So I know earlier you mentioned, we were talking about, um, when I, when originally I was speaking about looking after the exterior of my body rather than the ins, insides and the core and the mindset. Um, so originally I started Moody Girl as I was suffering with my periods um, and a lot of other women and AFAB individuals around the world are the same. I know you mentioned that you, you know, occasionally take some pills when you have bad PMT or periods. And I think that's kind of something that struck me as well um, about you as a coach is that even though you know, you weren't, I remember you made me stand up and kind of, it was simple questions like, who are you? And that was it. You gave, gave me no more indication about the answers that you wanted to hear. It was just raw and actually standing up and answering that question was way harder than you think it's going to be. And I remember I kind of touched on the fact that I started Moody Girl for, you know, to help people who are suffering with bad periods. And I think what I kind of took from you was that, you know, you, quite quickly, you're like, that's fine. You can, you can have really, really kind of down days, but you can still be working on your mindset on the days when you don't feel like that. So I feel like that's an important kind of message for the listeners that although, you know, you and I have both kind of put in some time and effort to work on mindset, that's not to say that we are a hundred percent happy all the time, because that's just not realistic. 
Absolutely. And such a powerful point to mention and distinction. So a lot of people say to me, oh, Niz, you seem so happy all the time. And, um, and wow, your life is amazing and fantastic and things like that. And yes, my life is amazing and fantastic. And I am happy most of the time. But absolutely, we forget that we are human. I absolutely have my down days. I absolutely have phases. I've had years of not feeling great. When my dad died, and he died through collapsing suddenly and dying in my arms, my whole world shut down. I didn't care about anything, especially about myself. And that I was not used to feeling. Even now I can feel the emotion in my voice. Mm. I still feel that time. I'm still grieving. And actually it's um, this month approaching his death anniversary, where he's been passed for five years. And it's still raw. And yes, I did go to grief counseling and then I stopped doing that because I found the counsel was rubbish and we're okay. We're allowed to say that, you know, uh, even with coaches, uh, you have to have chemistry with that person. But for me, I just felt like we're constantly just going around the same loop. And of course it doesn't help in a way that I am a mindset coach. So it doesn't help that I know all these things, but I can't do head surgery on myself in yeah. that respect. I'm grieving I can't degrief myself and so it was about for me finding the right person and I did after exploring one exploring investing in myself investing in um, finding somebody and actually it didn't fall underneath the banner of grief counsel it fell underneath another banner but it was still exactly what I needed and I've been working with that person and so that was right for me. So key things here is that life can be really rubbish. It can. Uh, people lie to you. They steal from you. They are mean to you. They're selfish. People die. Uh, people that you love die. Things die within you. People cheat. All sorts of things. And sometimes it comes from the most unlikeliest of sources where you go, whoa. And these things happen. And my advice with this is to not run away from it, to not run away from it. What we call negative emotions are absolute. I use them as triggers that there's work to be done here. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to rise, but not to rise now, to sit with it, to feel it, actually feel that feeling. What is it telling you? And to allow yourself to breathe into that feeling to feel it but what happens is people stay there and they don't move mm. and they don't reach out um i know in my career working in banking i know that reaching out was seen as a massive weakness you're weak if you reached out they said oh no if you need help reach out and if you reached out you wouldn't get the help that that was just like a saying yeah <laughs> so and what's incredible you can reach out and people can say oh yeah they'll help you and they won't and that'll be people that you've given your time energy money all sorts to focus helping them with them their lives and their problems and their issues mm -hmm. and they'll sometimes be the ones that will be the ones that turn their back on you mm -hmm. and then it will come from the most unlikely sources sometimes and be open to that the other thing about this is um, <clears throat> talking about negative emotions. It's about channeling that. So if you feel sad, if you feel gutted, allow yourself to sit with it. Allow yourself to breathe. Allow yourself to feel it. You know, we've got a motto in our family that was, um, that my dad used to say, and I never understood it until life as an adult started with its twists and turns where you get slapped around the head with a brick or with a wet fish in your face. And he said, throw me to the wolves and I'll come out leading the pack. And I tell you, uh, my surname, Arund, it means eagle. 
And that's why the, uh, my website, my club, the club that we have, which is all about walking the journey, your journey, which is bespoke and, uh, and, and unlocking the best, your top 1% in you, potential. Never allow your potential to just die with you. You have it in you. But that throw me to the wolves and I'll come out leading the pack just gave me that energy of, wow, you know, you will be thrown to the wolves. You'll throw yourself to the wolves. How many times have you sabotaged yourself? How many times have you given other people a head start and then tried to catch up with them, but you've, you've not given yourself a fighting chance? How many times do you say no to yourself and yes to everybody else so that you have nothing left inside of you to even look after yourself? When you get on a plane, they say, put your oxygen mask on first, even before helping a baby or a child. And the thing is, we don't invest in ourselves. And like you said uh, at the start when we spoke here, you think that you are 32. Imagine at 32, I took so long to work on myself and invest in myself in that way on my mind. That is young. That is young. That's comforting to hear for sure. Because I was just like, I feel like I should have done this years ago. And I can't believe, you know, and even when I said to my friends, you know, they're like, what are you up to this weekend? I'm going to like a deep mindset healing workshop. Yes. And everyone was like, wow, that sounds intense. Like that's what you're doing with your Saturday. But I came honestly after that course. Um, I, I brought my husband. He wasn't obviously on the on the course, but Afterwards, I laid in the bath and on, I felt as though I'd taken like drugs or something because I was honestly felt as though I was like levitating on top of the water. We'd done so much like deep mindset, like work, like subconscious mind work that we were just kind of, I don't know, it was such an insane feeling. And I woke up the next day and I looked in the mirror and I just looked and I'll say it, radiant. I looked different. I looked glowing. I was just like, who is this person that's looking back at me? You know, and it was, it was quite profound. Um, and I mean, even when, even when I'm having this conversation with you now, um, I can, I can find myself just listening and not saying anything because everything you're saying, it really does kind of hit so many truths about the way that we live our lives the way that you know you look around in your social circle or you look around in your family and you can see all of these patterns in front of you on a daily basis but no one is highlighting them no one is calling each other out for them because it can be seen as you're being you know too involved or it's not your place to say something or but you can see these patterns and it's just a loop of you know mundaneness of you know of not living your true potential of living a life that you know, isn't actually serving your core, which is where kind of I got to, um, you know, a, a few times in my life. And I've reached crisis points a time and time again. And I, and then I'd go on a new route and a new path. And I think that I'd find something, you know, that would make my core happy and, and my soul happy. But, you know, it was only until I started really, and it was kind of during the pandemic, um, that I had time to think and to, you know, really look what is going on with my body? You know, what is going on in my mind? Who am I surrounding myself with? You know, what things do you want? Do I want to do in my spare time? Do I want to go to the pub every weekend and get absolutely plastered like I did in my twenties? No, I don't. What are the trigger points of my anxiety, which I do regularly have? Um, yeah, it's usually going out and drinking and feeling shame and guilt about the things that I may have said or done the night before. Um, and I mean, I'm not, it's not to say that I don't want to live a life where I can have balance, where I can go out, I can have lovely, gorgeous dinners, I can, you know, have a drink with friends, but it's just looking into, for me, how do we grow from, from, you know, especially for me from my twenties, which was quite a turbulent time to then move into my thirties and then grow into forties, fifties without, you know, I don't want to grow up and be bitter. I know so many people that have grown and they are bitter at the world. They're angry at the world. They're angry about their divorce. They're angry about, 
you know, you know, someone who's died, um, you know, all of those things are just reasons to feel angry. But it's, I know when, from when you spoke to me about your dad, not just today, but on the course, that was something that had a profound effect on me as well. You know, I have a really close relationship with my parents and, you know, my dad as well. He's kind of like my business coach, my mom's emotional coach. Um, and, and so, to even imagine that, to even imagine them not being around anymore, I don't know how I would cope with that. So the fact that I'm learning these strategies already, you know, in my 30s, hopefully will prepare me for when that time comes. I don't know if anything really can prepare you for the for the kind of pain of grief. So I think that's quite, you know, a naive maybe thing of me to say, but at least I'm learning and and through you those kind of techniques for anyone listening, are there any kind of, you know, say two or three techniques or tips that you can give to someone when they're completely freaking out, their mind is taking over them, maybe they're in a social situation and they're feeling really anxious. I know, you know, some friends of mine find kind of hanging out in big groups quite intense at first after the pandemic. And, you know, how do you navigate this, this social situation again without, having three glasses of wine to make it a bit easier so I mean is there anything that you can suggest or techniques maybe for people who were feeling nervous about leaving the house and going for a social situation or nervous before an important meeting um just a few kind of tips do you have anything yes of course I have loads of tips (laughs) (laughs) um so the first thing really So the first thing is to just breathe. And a lot of the time you'll find when you are feeling anxious and you are sort of hyperventilating is because of the fact that we have become a nation of shallow breathers. So we're just breathing at the top. So it's like, (laughs) that sort of breathing is what you're doing silently and you don't even realize it. So you're not breathing correctly, right? There's so many exercises around breath work. As an example, one of the ways you could breathe properly is to grab a chair somewhere, sit down and cross your legs, relax yourself, and then literally just close your eyes and count. So we're going to do a four, three, seven method which is you breathe in for four through your nose and then you hold for three and then you release for seven. So let's do this now. If you're listening, find a chair and cross your legs, sit on that chair and cross your legs. And let's do this quick breath work breathe in for four so close your mouth breathe in through your nose two three four hold so you hold your breaths for three two one and just release let it all go for seven six five four three, two, one. Just letting go of any muscles, tension, and just to repeat that. I do a lot of breath work in my work and so easy to remember, four, three, seven. The second thing I would say is just stop and ask yourself what am I saying to myself in this moment so you'll find that if you really become conscious of that what am I saying to myself you'll notice that you you're saying something that is unhelpful in that moment (laughs) or you're making a generalization about yourself or something so you're saying like I can't do it I'm stupid Um, you're saying something that you're terrorizing yourself and so by catching yourself saying that helps you to actually get a grip on what is happening in that moment what you're actually doing to yourself in that moment 
The third thing, third tip I'd say is I always have my notebook nearby and I'd actually just journal for a couple of minutes. And that sounds like, oh dear diary, blah, blah, blah. But it's not that, it's about emptying your head out onto a piece of paper. Because when you do that, not only is there a psychological something that happens when you're holding a pen or pencil or writing instrument where it goes from your head down your neck, through your arm, into the pen and onto the paper, something happens which allows you to let go. Because so many times we are gripping on so tightly, we're gripping onto barbed wire and it's cutting us and we're gripping even stronger instead of letting it go and allowing your wounds to heal, Mm. cutting ourselves even more. Yeah. I mean, I, when I grew up, I had, I've got like so many diaries that just under the bed, but I mean, these are all like quite self-deprecating diaries. Like it starts off quite innocent, beginning of high school, buying my first thong, like uh, trying my first cigarette, things like that. It's all very innocent and nice. Then I go into like adolescence and boys and, you know, trying to figure out my place in the world. And my God, when I read it back, I can't even read it. It's so depressing. (laughs) It's just like, you know, it's so self-deprecating, but I feel like those kind of diaries served a purpose at one point in my life of whatever I was going through. Um, but yeah, since, since kind of coming on the course, I, you know, you gave, you gave everyone who attended a journal and, and that's kind of quite sacred now. And if, if there's kind of times I kind of use it more in a productive way now. So I feel as though if I'm feeling maybe a bit stagnant, I want to feel inspired, um, listen to my favorite record, um, put my favorite candle on. And then, you know, rather than sitting in front of Netflix, say I've had a long day at work or something and I'm, my energy is stagnant and I need to kind of, you know, find, find that inspiration again somehow. I found that journaling has actually been a really kind of thought provoking thing to do that. And it's kind of made me think of different kind of ways to be creative or new kind of things to try out. Um, and I think I think it's such a powerful tool. So thank you for kind of reintroducing me to that because I kind of shut down after my 20s because I was like, no more self-deprecating journals. I can't bear to read it anymore. Yes. <laughs> but actually this is like a new way of journaling um, and it's a productive way of journaling. And, you know, some of the things I write down may not be pro- necessarily productive, but... I feel as though it's like retraining my like neural pathways and consolidating the work that we've done and that I'm continuing to do independently. Um, So just kind of, I know that I'm quite a, um, like a physical or a kinesthetic learner. I think they told me I was at school. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I mean, I, I like physically writing something down because it feels as though it consolidates it in your mind so as much as I can sit in a lesson or you know can can sit somewhere and someone can talk to me until I'm until they're blue in the face it may not necessarily be a hundred percent up here but what I really liked what we did is you did that we did the kind of meditation we did the visualizations along with all of the kind of deep work and the questions that you were continually asking throughout it then we also consolidated that by physically writing it down and that kind of was the plan I think for me there was the seed that got right in the back of the kind of subconscious mind and that's kind of starting to flourish now um and and that's just you know such an incredible thing and I think you know to anyone listening if you uh you know feeling stagnant in life or feeling as though what do I what am I going to do next you know um it's all about working on your mindset and working on yourself. And then those things will become way more obvious. Um, And I think I've just, and um, you know, the more I've been doing that, I've been attracting people in my life like you, we literally just met by chance and we hit it off. Um, And all the other people that I'm featuring on the, on the podcast, it's like, I'm attracting these people into my life now because it's like, I'm kind of operating on a different frequency, you know? You are. You are. And and the interesting thing is um, when you mentioned about how you're using journaling now, it's you don't see it as the way you used to before when you were a teenager. You know, we all, be, don't be ashamed of how you like to relax. You know, um, uh, I don't watch TV, but 
uh, how I enjoy one of the ways I enjoy relaxing. So, so, so a lot of people still sort of believe social media that relaxing is about going to the spa and getting a treatment, um, having afternoon tea, and 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 that's kind of like the list, you know, going to a spa, you know. Um, but actually, start to really think about what it is for you. What what is it that you actually enjoy? And this is going to sound weird, but one of the things that I enjoy, yes, I enjoy a massage. I like a deep tissue massage. I enjoy having needles poked into me. So acupuncture, and I have that regularly. I have that twice a month. I have infrared therapy. I I spend a lot. um, And when I say a lot, as in I purposely spend on myself and I've learned to do that because much of my life was always about investing in everything and everyone else and one of the ways I love to relax that I discovered and I only discovered it was weird when I shared it with um, uh, a friend the other day who doesn't know me that well I said to her oh um, I yeah I really enjoy watching forensics and um, the murders and how they find the murderers and the mass murderers and the killers and the rapists and all these things. And, and I'm the same as well. It's like, I don't know why that's relaxing. <laughs> it's therapeutic of note. So I absolutely love that. You know, um, another key way is nature, uh, which, yeah. which applies to everyone and really getting out of nature. And if you think you don't have time to journal or you think you don't have time to step out, you're exactly the person that needs to do that. You are like top target and so um find what works for you try things out try new things and and see your body and your mind will tell you because that's a a big thing on on the courses that I do it's about bringing yourself closer to yourself it's about starting to listen and tune into your gut your instinct your body which my gut I mean I'm in London my dad was in South Africa I had a funny sensation in my gut. I picked up the phone and phoned my mom. I said, I feel this need to come over. I then canceled things in my diary with no idea why I was doing that. I then opened my laptop, I remember, and going onto the Virgin Atlantic website, because that's who I like to fly to South Africa. And I just saw these two dates stand out and I booked it. And then I thought, what the heck am I doing after I did that? But I closed my laptop. It was the quickest flight, international flight I've ever booked without even questioning. And on the day, I canceled the cab three times. It was this time sort of coming up five years ago. Three times I canceled that cab. And I was about to cancel the flight when a friend of mine called me to wish me well. And he said, I know you don't know why you're going, but, you know, and I said, actually, I was about to cancel. And he said, no, it's a waste of your time and money. You've already canceled everything else. Out. I thought, okay, fine. But I felt the plane was going to drop out the sky or something bad was going to happen. And two days after landing, out the blue, dad collapses and dies in my arms. Oh my and God. That, that was a gut instinct. But what we do as humans, we ignore our gut instinct to the point that your instinct actually doesn't talk to you very loudly at all it whispers and you can't hear it and so therefore it can't guide you and so coming on the course coming on the retreat where it's about that mindset it's about that mind body soul immersion you know I have one for women one for men only and then I have the truth retreat which is that truth about you and um, honestly your life depends on this your life depends on this and when would now be the time whether you're 30 or whether you're 50 or 80, when would now be the time? Absolutely. And I think that's, it's just so this, I think there's been so many things throughout my own life where, you know, I haven't listened to my gut um, and I have quite strong gut feelings as well. And I think, and I have problems with my gut. So I feel like it's my, my gut's way of saying, well, stop, if you continue, stop listening to me, then I'm just going to materialize skin conditions and things where you actually have to listen to me. Um, so I think that's that's the most important point. Um, I mean, just to kind of finish up on, I wanted, because this was how we finished the course and I just thought it was one of the most amazing things that I'd heard. I know you talk, you know, very fondly and highly of the relationship that you had with your father. Um, and you told me the story about how he, he did that, golf competition in South Africa and it was a really crazy story so um if you could finish up on that that would be amazing yes so my dad 
what happened was uh, my dad entered the Sun Sydney Million Dollar Senior Amateur Open. Now, uh, for those that know about golf, golfing is a tough sport. Even the top people in golfing can't get golfing right. And, um, and so this competition is a very important competition in the, in the calendar of golf. And my dad entered this and there were many people that entered. And what happens is it's a week long competition. And if you don't make the cut on that day, you don't get, you're not good enough on that day, you get cut off. And then the rest go to day two. And so you get cut, 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 cut. It's just as cutting as that. And so the people on the last day are the people that basically were the top performers on each of the days of that week. And um, long story short, dad won that two years in a row. And this is a man that only started golfing in his late 40s. And my mom bought him a, a, a golf club worth her bonus money. And um, I used to see my dad in the morning because we used to go with him on tour. And he used to polish his clubs, get up in the morning. And it was his form of meditation. Polish his clubs, these balls, and sort of get um, golf balls, I might add. And get, um, <laughs> get everything uh, ready. And when he won it, I mean, there were incredible golfers out there and thousands of people. And I said to my dad, after he won it and he picked up the trophy, I said, how did you do it? Um, because he had other people that were competing with him that sort of were confused. My dad was a very slim man. And they said, well, they've got bigger muscles than him. How come my dad could drive the ball longer than they could when they were much bigger than my dad? And my dad said, no, no, it's got nothing to do with your muscles. And my dad said to me, I said, dad, how did you win it? Because getting cut every day is traumatic and he said darling everyone thinks it's about all these different things technique and this and that of course you need your golf technique but everyone's got different techniques so there isn't one right technique but he said at the end of the day it boils down to the power of your mind and if you don't have your mind strong and fit and healthy it's game over before you've even begun. And every day when I wake up, that's where I spend that time on my mind, getting my mind ready. And when I go to bed, I know my mind's going to be cleaned and cleared up of those days and let it go. And the next morning, prepare my mind. It's not about who's the strongest, the fittest, or who's the, it's all between your ears, the power of your mind. And I was like, wow, dad. And to say this as well is that, I wanted to do this retreat, this course that you came on for many years. And dad and I put it together. Wow. And the time that I ran it the first time was after his death. Wow. Ran it properly the way we had agreed. And um, it took a death for me to do something about it. Mm. So the question that I would say to you listening out there, a lot of the time we make changes when something dramatic, traumatic happens, our bodies repel us, there's a death or, or something dramatic happens, something really traumatic. But why wait? Why wait for something bad to happen? Or when you can't fit in the seat of a plane before you decide, you know what, I need to lose weight or I need to get, or you're in a relationship or you're in a drama triangle or you're a people pleaser or you don't have boundaries and then something dramatic happens. When would now be the time? Oh, thank you so much, Niz. Honestly, it's just, I feel like I've just gone through the course again with you, but on the podcast, which is amazing for me. But I also hope that the listeners get something out of this as well. Um, and I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to share more about your, um, your details and how to get in touch so people can book on your courses because I think it's so important. So thank you so much, Niz, for today. Thank you for having me. I feel blessed to be on this podcast and go you. Go yeah, you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Niz. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. From meeting Niz, I've really learned to dissect my feelings in a way that I've never done before. I've always been someone who's felt things, let's say, very strongly. And sometimes it has felt like a hindrance to the way that I live my life day to day. After meeting Niz, I've learned to look inwards at the language I'm using with myself, especially during my low moods. 
When I started to write down the things I was saying, it made me realize, no wonder I'm feeling low right now. I never knew just how critical my inner dialogue had been until Niz quite literally forced me to see. This is still a working progress and I'm reminding myself each day to be more kind with the language that I use. I found this experience confronting and comforting at the same time. I realized this was the first time I'd really invested in my mindset. It's so easy to spend money on things that temporarily make us feel better in that moment. But what about if we start seeking out ways to change our perspectives and break years of repetitive cycles that will ultimately unlock our top 1%? If you want to check out Niz's workshops, you can contact her direct at niz, which is spelt N-I-S, at top1percent.club. You've been listening to the Moody Girl podcast. You can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at Moody Girl Official. And the website is www.moody-girl.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.